Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Good Complex. I'm Jeff Jones, and it is my privilege to host these conversations and highlight the tremendous good that's being done in the world and prop up conversations that really need to happen where often people can't even hear each other anymore uh, when we can't even interact with people who disagree. And The Good Complex, it's really this alternative universe in a world that's becoming so polarized and in many ways so dark to say, hey, look, let's be part of making the world better. And let's remember what we have in common, and that is a desire for the common good. And we all bring different perspectives that matter. And so let's learn from each other. Let's listen to each other. And instead of highlighting the tremendous bad that's happening in the world and why the world's bad getting worse, there's actually tremendous good being done in the world. And, and of course, we not only want to have conversations about it, but really be part of a movement that is making the world better and is bringing kind of the good complex to life. And so today is a really, really important conversation at a part of our culture that is so powerful, really in shaping culture and shaping our experience, and that is media uh, that we all know has tremendous power for good and tremendous power for not so good as well. And right now there's a lot of conversation about uh, just the toxicity of media, of social media, and yet also some really constructive conversation about how that can be better and people taking notice of that. And so we'll be talking about that today with our guest, Hillary Kennedy. Thank you so much. Thanks for, for having me here, Jeff. Yeah. And uh, Hillary, you are part of the media. I and, am, for better or worse. Yeah, so. you're not so scary, right? You seem nice. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, big bad media. And, uh, you know, you're an actor. Uh, you're an influencer, you're a blogger, you're a television host. There's all kinds of things that you're involved in. And, and you're also a mom yeah. and a wife. And so, and so you're raising a family. And, and with all those perspectives, I think really, really helpful. But I don't talk to actors a whole lot. So that's kind of unique. So with, uh, with that, like, how did, you, how did you decide I want to be an actor? Not just say that, but actually pull it off and then TV hosts and all this other kind of stuff. How did that happen? When did you know? And It was kind of funny. When I was six years old, my mom was helping me learn to read and was giving me the daily newspaper to practice with. And there was a story about a little girl who was my age, who was mm. six, and had already paid for her college education by being an actress, by doing commercials and that kind of thing. And my mom explained to me what that meant. And I thought, well, so wait a minute, somebody's going to pay me to play pretend yeah. all day? Like, that <laughs> sounds amazing. So I thought, well, then that's what I want to do because that's that's fun. You get paid to do something fun. That's yeah. great. So I uh, I went to college and majored in radio, television, film, and digital media and started working the first couple of years out of college doing mainly commercials, Um I learned very quickly that you should not fib on your acting resume and say you have special <laughs> skills that you don't yeah. because uh, Sonic, America's Drive-In, they were casting for a, a car hop and you had to know how to roller skate. Uh, and I really did not know how to roller <laughs> skate. So I learned very quickly, be honest about your acting right, skills. Right. <laughs> uh, so I did that for a couple of years. And then the Dallas Stars hockey team was looking for an entertainment host in the arena to do yeah. kind of their fun entertainment games and interview the players. And so I got a job doing that because I enjoyed hockey. I was a hockey fan. And I thought, well, I actually am better at this than I am at being an actress because I had mm -hmm. I'd booked some roles, but I was never I was never really that great of an actress. I wanted to be, but that just wasn't uh, my special skill. So uh, working as a host just felt like a better fit because I yeah. got paid to, to be me. And then I know you do work with Glenn Beck. 
or as a regular part of his show. So what is, what do you do there? I do. I read the morning news headlines in his TV and radio show in the morning, which I love, and then fill in when they need me on other programming on the network. So it's it's been great because before I worked uh, for Blaze Media, I worked for a Tribune broadcasting show called Eye Opener, and it was a nationally syndicated morning show. And I covered the entertainment and lifestyle and technology stuff. Oh, and so I've gotten to kind of dip my toe in the water in a lot of different areas. So there I was doing more of the fun things. And then working for Glenn, I get to really talk more about the hard news and that your need to know news that you take with you every day. So it's fun because I've gotten to really see how different networks broadcast stories, how they report on those stories, the angles they take. And it's it's hmm. been really interesting. And I do want to go there and talk about media. But before, I want to talk about the color white. Oh, because because uh, I, I I know you're a blogger, you're an influencer. I saw on your site you just remodeled ma massive kitchen remodel. Mm -hmm. We did some remodeling on a family property uh, here a while back, and wanted to take it from whatever color it was, kind of this ugly, erpy color, to white everywhere. And I thought, well, that's easy. Let's just you know, go get white paint and paint it white. And uh, Boy, that was not It's not true. that simple. Yeah. No, I had no idea. I, I I still sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and think about Snowbound and Pure White and Chantilly Lace and all this stuff. I'm so impressed that you can remember all the names of the Sherwin-William paint colors because they do haunt you. You've got the samples and you paint a sample on the wall and you try and see what it looks like and all the different uh, types of lighting like daylight and nighttime and fluorescent light. And it is a major undertaking to choose a white. And I, I was telling you before we started filming that I also just painted the exterior of my house a white. And that was even more stressful because once you've painted the outside of your house, if you get it wrong, that is a very expensive yeah, mistake yeah. to make. So uh, if anyone needs white recommendations I for an exterior of your home, I have some great ones now because I have gone through about 56 different colors. Well, your house is beautiful. You've done a great job. <laughs> Thank you. You snowbound inside, you said. So I did. A little tip. Yep. People Snowbound's a great one. That. So uh, let's talk media a little bit. So, um, and and we're going to do something we don't normally do on the good complex. It's called the good complex, right? We highlight goodness and beauty and cooperation and all that. Um, but we're actually going to go negative here for a little bit and just go there because I don't think we can make something better if we're not realistic about where it's at, right? So, you know, we want to get from where we are now to somewhere better. So if we're here and we want to go there, we at least need to know where, where, what here is like. And so we're going to talk about there and how media could be healthier and our engagement of how we produce media and how we consume media um, can be healthy. But let's kind of go here a little bit and just kind of look at where things are. You know, there's a lot. I, I think we're all kind of waking up in our culture. We're such a media-driven culture. We spend so much time in all forms of screens and media and social media and all that, uh, beginning to understand what that's doing to us as a culture, the polarization, the mental health issues, the, you know, all that. And so in the spirit of going negative just a little bit, um, and I'm sure it's okay to go positive too, but how would you describe, I mean, you're involved in media, but how would you describe the current state of media I mean, I think we all know that media is incredibly polarizing right now, which is not a great thing. 
I think that most people generally have a negative view of media. Anytime someone asks mm -hmm. me what I do for a living and I tell them, yeah. I would say eight out of 10 times someone will tell me, oh, I hate the news. <laughs> I never watch the news. I make a point to never turn it on anymore yeah. because it, it ruins your day a lot of mm -hmm. time. If you let it, it can really ruin your day. I, I think that there have been countless studies in the past five years how the suicide rate, opioid use, all of those things, depression, anxiety, those have gone way up. And I think a lot of that is due to what we see and hear in the media. And we can't really escape it. I mean, the average person mm -hmm. cannot escape it. From the moment you wake up in the morning, even if you're checking your Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever, even if you're not seeking out news um, or what's going on in the world, it will find you, you know, whether you want to look at it or not. And so I think that People generally have a pretty negative view of the media and don't trust it the way that they used to either. Yeah. And and that's that's hard. It's a it's a hard position to be in when you work for the media and you hear people say how horrible it is all the time. Right. Um, and I think people just have this generalization that it's it's doing a lot of damage and it's all bad. But not true. We'll get to that later though. Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> gonna take it positive. But, you know, part of it is, you know, media is business, right? And and whether it's social media or media, you know, whatever kind of media, uh, news media, it's all we want viewers, we want subscribers, we want, and just like the Facebook whistleblower, you know, that just testified, you know, before Congress and brought all that out that what we all suspected, right, is that, hey, fear and anxiety and anger and polarization and extremism all those things get people to watch. They get people to, to, you know, look at the posts or whatever and stay on there and see more advertising, generate more money. Um, so in a, in a, as media really is a business driven by a business model and I'm not anti-business, but, um, but do you see that changing or, or, or do you, do you feel that, I don't know if you work for a unique organization, but but do you feel that pressure underneath or are you sort of above that or? You know, what I find most fascinating about what you said is I'm always surprised by how many people don't realize that media or news media in particular is a business. There are so many people that just think of the news as the news. They don't think of the news as being an organization that's there to make money. And people don't realize facts tell, stories sell. So mm. if we gave you just the facts all the time, would you necessarily tune in? Would you Some people would, of course, but I, those stories are really what sell it. And a lot of people don't realize that they are being sold to in one way or another. Most networks do have some sort of bias or some sort of leaning or some sort mm -hmm. of uh, sponsors that they need to please or keep happy. Right, right. Um, I think keeping that in mind is really important because, again, you know, people get up in arms about things. But if you know it is a business, just like anything mm -hmm. else, you can kind of change the framework when you watch the news and and pick and choose what you what you want to believe, and also just be aware that we're being sold to everywhere you turn. I yeah. mean, every business is trying to to sell you something, and they do need your eyeballs and they do need your your dollars. So keeping that in mind, I think, is really helpful. Um, I've been fortunate that most of the places I've worked, I, I've kind of been shielded from most of that. But it has been interesting how many different instances I've been in where they would conveniently leave some facts out of a, a story to shape mm -hmm. a narrative. And until I worked in news media, I 
I truly, honestly did not know that that happened. I yeah. just thought the story that's being presented is the full story. Yeah. And until you work in it, you realize a lot of times they do leave out key key facts and key details to shape it a certain way to make those sponsors happy mm -hmm. or to get more eyeballs or to make something more um interesting or shocking so that people will tune in. And the human brain is really geared towards those shocking or sad or scary or negative stories because we were, we're wired to detect danger. Mm -hmm. You know, we're wired to um, detect situations that we need to maybe problem solve or figure out. And so they're attracted to us. So even if we, even if it makes us feel badly inside to read some yeah. of the stories, we keep coming back to them because we're kind of wired to detect those sorts of things. And so they know that and they yeah. keep putting those out there, those headlines, the clickbait uh, headlines yeah, out there. Yeah, just reading all these you know, studies lately, brain studies and brain chemistry studies and brain scans of, of how media and social media does elicit that fight or flight response and all the hormones start going and, uh, or even the dopamine of the dopamine rush of, of some interesting story or crazy thing or whatever. And, uh, and how people have to actually have withdrawals when they get off of media uh, the same way if, as if they're drinking, you know, or trying to get off of alcohol or, Definitely. or something like that, which is crazy to think about. We do get addicted to it. It is kind of a, it's kind of a rush. And for whatever reason, even when it comes to something that seems innocuous, like celebrity news, we get addicted to that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason that TMZ is so popular and that people continue to tune into it, even though it's been the same concept for years. Yeah, I mean, they really yeah. haven't changed the show up at right. all. But, you know, we hearing shocking information or things that are um, salacious about somebody, it triggers something in our brain. Um, yeah, I like to make fun of TMZ, but mm -hmm. also find myself not turning it off. Right. When it's on. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. <laughs> it is interesting. You, you get yeah. sucked in and then it's yeah. hard to turn it off. So do you sense a change? Because I, I think I kind of do sense a change. And maybe, I mean, I guess media companies have to respond to what people want. Um, and yet at the same time, there has to be some responsibility taken to say, hey, we actually shape culture. We don't just respond to culture. And I'm, I'm glad I'm not responsible to do that. That's a lot of responsibility. But it does seem like a shift. I mean, when you look at shows like Ted Lasso or Schitt's Creek, it's a word I don't get to say very much. Right. I'm a <laughs> I'll say it again just because it's fun. Schitt's Creek. Um, I can do it when I play golf, but not when I'm a pastor. Right, exactly. So uh, anyway, so when you, you know, it seems like those shows like that, which are um, not just Pollyanna shows, but are really, they, they have a strong positive message. And I understand there's a lot in the Hollywood pipeline and, network pipeline that direction because it's performing so well. But do you, do you kind of feel that happening or, or yes. see that? I definitely think there's a shift where people are asking for it. And I think now a lot of these production companies and different networks are saying, we might want to get on this because for, for the longest time, they've really invested in the low hanging fruit and the things that are the most shocking or salacious or, um, or raunchy, quite honestly, because mm -hmm. they know it will get eyeballs because people like to be shocked or offended. Mm -hmm. or, but I think now they're realizing that there are far more people that want to see things that make them feel good, that inspire them, that, that, uh, they can watch with their families. It's so interesting about the Hallmark channel, you know, those, 
movies are so predictable. You always know that it's going to be the, you know, high powered attorney and the small town yeah. candle maker or baker. And <laughs> one of them has lost the spirit of Christmas uh -huh. and the other person has to help them get it back. And you know exactly what's going to happen. You know, they're going to fall in love and live happily ever after. But people, both men and women, I mean, they've done all these studies that it's not just females yeah. watching those movies. <laughs> they like them because you feel good. You feel better about your life. You, uh, I don't know. You just you walk away feeling like I didn't waste my time and feel worse about myself mm. or about the state of the world. So I do think that there is a shift where people are really starting to invest in that kind of programming. And it makes me so happy because those are the sorts of things that we need to be filling our mind with. And laughter, you know, like Ted Lasso, it's a great example. Laughter is so good for the human spirit and for the body. Uh, my sister has been going through chemotherapy for breast cancer, and we spoke to a lot of different doctors, and every single one of them kept hammering home, laughter is so important. And they told her, don't watch any negative movies or television shows because it's been proven that the good cells in your body replicate much faster mm. when you are laughing and you're in a positive mindset. And they said, you know, we've done all of these studies and we wouldn't tell you if this was the yeah. truth. It's not just some woo-woo feel-good stuff. It's really true that we are made to feel joy and laughter. And I think that Hollywood's finally kind of figuring that out. That's why rom-coms have always done so well. Mm -hmm. And I hope they're going to start making more because we haven't seen a lot of those yeah, in the past five or 10 yeah. years. So you use the phrase, fill your mind. And um, which, you know, we've talked a lot about companies and media and, you know, we're so we're going to take this positive, but um, like they're the villains, right? And there are these business people who are doing all these, you know, but of course that's happening in response to what we want and, and the choices that we make is all that is. So when you say fill your mind, um, that strikes me because it really suggests taking responsibility for what we fill our minds with that nobody can force us to watch anything or when we can decide no matter what we watch, the lens and with which we watch or the filter that we have. So talk a little bit about that of just when you say fill, hey, let's be careful about how we what we fill our minds with and how we engage media, how we view media. How how do you navigate a world of media in terms of what you fill your mind with or not, and why is that important? Just talk a little bit more about that. I think you have to be very intentional to use the lens of looking for the good and looking for the positive, even in some of the worst stories or even the stories that you strongly disagree with. There have been a lot of clips of very heated, contentious school board meetings over the past mm, year. Yeah. And there have been a lot of parents who've said things at these meetings that maybe I didn't agree with. But I will say I've tried to think, you know what, at least those parents are being active. They're being involved. They really care about what's going mm -hmm. on in their child's school. That's something I can really appreciate even if I don't agree with what they're saying. So I try and look for the positives in those stories. Same thing with uh, our celebrity news, because there's been a big push over the last year or two to cancel Hollywood completely. And we need to stop looking at all of these celebrities and influencers as our, our idols and our role models. Well, they're not going anywhere. I mean, they're always going to be mm -hmm. a part of our culture. So I think when we look for what what good are they doing? Yeah. What kind of positive message are they spreading? Um, there are a lot of Hollywood marriages that have stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. We can look to them for inspiration. Um, I'm trying to like Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. They've right. been together for a really long time. There's a lot of great things that that can come out of Hollywood if we're looking at it through that lens. So looking for the positives is huge when it comes to news. And also, we don't have to consume it all day, 
every day. Mm-hmm. Some people have realized for their for the good of their mental health, little bite-sized increments so that you're, you're aware of what's going on in the world, but you're not watching it all day. You're not scrolling through it on social media every day. And if there's a news app on your phone that makes your blood pressure go up yeah. and your anxiety go up, delete it off of your phone. Maybe log onto your computer, read a couple of the top headlines. That way you know what's going on in the world and then shut it off and look at things that make you feel good. Have apps, have memes, have things to read that make you feel good or put all of it down and just go outside and take a walk. I think that always makes people feel that fresh air is good. Sunshine is good. Um, But just, you know, if you can't handle a lot of news, if you're someone that it really just, it wrecks your whole attitude. Mm -hmm. And they've said too, they've done all these studies on how if you watch a negative news story and then you tell someone else about it in a negative way, you're 40 to 70 times more likely to have a horrible day that day. You've already oh. kind of set the stage yeah. because you're speaking this negativity out. You've you've consumed it and now you're speaking it out to someone right. else. So you're, you're ruining your own day and now you're ruining their yeah. day. So you can still talk about those stories, but maybe try and frame them in a way like with what happened in Afghanistan this summer, there were so many beautiful rescues and so many people who mm-hmm. pitched in to help. And there are some amazing heroes that I loved reading about and hearing about. So even though the situation itself was a very sad and bleak one, we saw all these amazing people emerge as these you know, unlikely heroes. And I think that's beautiful. So you know, you're a social media influencer. I mean, you're an influencer, so that's using social media <laughs> blogs, you know, all right. kinds of things, right? And, um, and obviously social media can be great, you know, and it can also not be great. And, you know, you look at how it can contribute just the comparisons and all that to, um, anxiety and depression and all kinds of things going on. Um, and yet it can also be this means of great good too, of connecting people and sharing ideas and growing and learning and aspiring to things. I mean, your media, the stuff that you put out is extremely positive and funny also. Thank you. Which we need to end with a joke. <laughs> You're going to have to tell us a joke. Okay. So be thinking about that. Okay, like well. joke. Um, but for all of us as adults, but certainly as teenagers, you know, and, and some of us, I've raised teenagers now, they're 20 somethings, but um, how, how, what would you suggest to somebody who spends a lot of time in social media it's a lot of time on their phone, a lot of time, just how to navigate that world in a way that, that get leads to health, not mental health issues, but mental health, health. Definitely. It's hard. I mean, it, it really is hard. It's, it's hard for me as an adult. So I know for teenagers, it's incredibly difficult. I think that some good things that have come out of these social media companies is they do give you the ability to You don't have to always unfollow someone, maybe if they're your friend or they're posting things that maybe don't make you feel good. You can still mute their stories or mute their posts. You don't see them as often without having to unfriend them because I know a lot of people feel awkward about unfriending somebody. So you can kind of curate what you see on most of those platforms, which I think is helpful because a lot of times it's not even something that's being posted that's negative, but it... (laughs) you react negatively to it. So maybe you do see someone getting a new house or Mm -hmm. I know we struggled with fertility for a while and seeing everybody posting pictures of their new baby. It wasn't that I wasn't happy for them, but it was tough to see. So I had to mute some of those stories for a while. I think those things can be helpful. And also you don't have to respond to every negative comment or every troll. 
everybody feels differently about this. I tend to not give any of those things life and ignore mm-hmm. those. Yeah. Very rarely have I ever responded to a mean or angry DM or comment or email. And one of the few times I have, the guy had written me a very mean, nasty mm-hmm. email. And for whatever reason, I just felt compelled to respond. And I waited a day, which yeah. I think is always Smart. important. Yeah. Give it a day. Yeah. And what was interesting is I responded as kindly as I could, and he wrote me back, and he said, I was just surprised that anyone wrote me back because he said, I've just been wanting to hear what I had to say. Hmm. And so I don't think it was that he he truly had been sitting around thinking a bunch of negative things about me. People just want to have a voice, and sometimes they feel like negativity is the only way that they'll be heard or be seen. But you don't have to respond to those things necessarily, especially on your social media. That's your page. That's your account. And if you don't want the negativity there, you don't have to. You don't have to receive that and look mm-hmm. at it. But also just setting healthy boundaries for yourself. Social media is not real life. We're seeing most people's yeah. highlight reel. Right. I do think there's been a big push lately for people to show like Instagram versus reality or, you know, the the TikTok versus reality. And you get to see what people really look like without filters or what their house actually looks like when they're not taking photos of it for their blog or their social media. And that's helpful because no one's life is perfect. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. And just keeping that in mind and telling your children that you just never know what someone's truly dealing with. And we always want to sort of present our best. Yeah. It's like what we do when we first start dating somebody, we're giving them like the best version of us. Right. And that's what yeah. social media is. So, yeah. And it's kind of ironic. We're talking on a podcast about media as if we're talking about somebody else. Right. This is media. We are doing it. Yeah. And, uh, right. And, um, and what we're trying to do with a good complex is to use media in a positive way, right. To make the world better and to highlight all the tremendous good that's happening to have conversations that can help good move forward and understanding move forward and all that. So obviously we think it can be a really positive thing. And as a person who, whose life, your life devoted to media, um, you know, I know I can tell that's what you're trying to do by, you know, everything that I've looked at and everything I've heard you say. So what, what would, uh, you know, it's so easy to to pile on media negatively, but as you think about a a positive vision of of how media can contribute to a good and just unified culture, um, I know we've talked around a little bit, but just just kind of share. And I haven't prepared you for this, but just share kind of your vision of of maybe okay, if this is the way things are, maybe what they could be like, like what 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 could it be and versus where it is or let's not even worry about where it is but just a positive vision for media in the future and and what you want to be part of i love this question because i think about when people gossip they usually like to gossip about the negative things the shocking things all of that and the same is true of sharing news stories a lot of times we like to share the the things that are going to get people riled up or make them mm-hmm. angry or can you believe this i would love to see everyone It's not that you can't still share those things, but I would love for every one of those stories that you're going to read or you're going to share with someone, how about you share two or three of the good, positive, uplifting stories? Because we'll never escape the negative things. You know, they're always going to be there, but we can still drown some of that out with 
the good stories, the positive stories. And if there are great things going on in your life, in your community, in your child's school, in your church, whatever it is, you can also submit those stories to the media. You know, you never have to wait for somebody else to do it. I think a lot of times we think someone else will do it. Mm -hmm. But you have the power to share the good things that are going on in the world, in your life, in your community. Um, If you're wanting to start a clothing drive during the holidays or whatever, you can get that message out by contacting your local news station, radio station, newspaper. They're always looking Mm -hmm. for ideas. They're always wanting your pitches and your story ideas. They're seeking them out. So you can be the, they do. And, and even if you don't get a response the first time, keep at it because I love when people send me ideas and when they send me good news stories, or if they send me a funny joke or a pun or something I can share on the air. So it doesn't even have to be a big dramatic news story. If you have something funny that happened, if you have a funny photo, they also love those things and post those things on your social media account and share those and brighten somebody's day and make them smile. I feel like the more that we do it, the more it will catch on. I mean, I just think that when you start framing everything through that lens, other people will want to do that too. We we are just naturally drawn to people who are positive. Mm -hmm. We just are. And so we have the power to be those people. And it's not always easy when things are going, they seem like they're going south in the world, Um, but there's so much good going on out there. And, you know, that phrase be the change you want to see in the world. It really is true. It can be something super small, but I do think reaching out to your, your local and national news media and putting the sorts of stories in their hands that you want to see is huge. So do that and don't give up on it. Perfect. So if people wanted to connect with what you do, hillarykennedy.com. Yes. And I'm on Instagram. It's at Hillary Kennedy. It's Hillary with one L. Yeah. Okay. Let's remember that. So yeah, Hillary with one L. Uh, But yeah, I would love to hear from anybody. And if you do have any good news stories, something positive that you want to share, I would love to hear it. If nothing else, just to make my day. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on the other sort of a different side of the camera to just have a conversation away from the teleprompter to have a conversation and uh, about something that's so important because it shapes culture, shapes our lives. And again, can be such a positive means of good or the other way around. Obviously, we're all trying to do the positive thing. But I feel like we need a joke. So, Gosh, I have such an arsenal. It's only when you're put on the spot. I'm trying to think of the last one I posted. I've posted so many. I'm trying to think (laughs) of the last one I posted. Can I cheat and look at my phone? I just posted one. I'm like, It's so funny because I I started doing a lot of silly like dad jokes because my grandfather loved a corny joke and now people send me so many and I just love it. Well, this one's, this is a total just groaner. (laughs) Uh, When do you have to dance like a fox? When you're doing the foxtrot. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's really bad, I know. (laughs) But, you know, if you want to make somebody's day and make them go, oh, it's the worst joke ever, you can use that one. Well, we all love our dads, so right. why not love dad jokes <laughs> exactly. too, right? So, well, Hillary, thank you so much for not only being on our show, but uh, for the conversation and for what you do. You're one of the good people, and Aww. thank you for being that where 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 you've been placed. Oh, well, thank you for having me on the show, Jeff. I really appreciate it. And and 
you know, as we're talking about this with a good complex, let's remember, as we said earlier, that this is about conversations, about hearing things, but it's also about empowering each of us to be part of a movement uh, wherever we are, wherever we've been, wherever we're placed, whatever influence we have, uh, we can actually help help push the ball or or help take the conversation a positive direction and be the change, right? That mm-hmm. you said, uh, not just want it, but to be that. And so let's see this not only as a podcast, but really a growing movement of sacrificial love, a desire for the common good and common understanding. So thank you for being with us. And this is Jeff Jones for The Good Complex. 